0: 16. We read our scripture today. We'll read verses 1 through 10. We'll skip over and read verses 16 through 31. Here now the, uh, the words of Luke out of Acts of the Apostles. Paul went on also to Derby and to Lystra where there was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and had him circumcised because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went from town to town, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in numbers daily. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they had come opposite Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. One day, as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, These men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation she kept doing this for many days but Paul was very much annoyed turned and said to the spirit I order in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and it came out that very hour but when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities when they had brought them before the magistrates they said These men are disturbing our city. They are Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stalks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prisons were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened when the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself since he uh, supposed supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, The jailer, uh, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights, and rushing in, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, What must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as Scripture is read, as Word is proclaimed, that we may hear with joy what you say to us this day in your name. Amen. Today we continue our worship series titled The Call. It's based on a study of the same name written by Reverend Adam Hamilton. And we continue our look at Paul uh, throughout uh, the uh, book of Acts. Uh, Many of you know, and for those who didn't, uh, my wife and I just got back from a trip a few weeks ago where we uh, journeyed in the steps of Paul through Turkey and through Greece. And so this is also a sharing of that journey uh, that we took as well. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about this picture in a a little while. I don't want to give it away just quite yet. I want to start out with a story. There was a man um, who stopped in at a McDonald's in Cambridge, Massachusetts and uh, he noticed a man working behind the counter that that he recognized from church and the man's name was Peter and uh, uh, he knew that Peter had just graduated from Harvard University with a master's degree and so Uh, after uh, taking his order and asking Peter if he could break and talk with him for a little while, they went and sat down, and he said, Peter, what are you doing here? Well, he explained, I graduated in May, but I went four months without finding a job, so, so I said to myself, Self, I need income to pay my bills. So this is where I ended up, at least for now. But don't be sorry for me as the man quickly came and said, oh, I'm so sorry. He said, don't be sorry for me. God has me here for a purpose. This place is giving me some awesome, amazing opportunities to share my faith. You see, I'm on a shift that includes a Buddhist guy from Sri Lanka, a Muslim fellow from Lebanon, a Hindu lady from India, and a fellow Christian from El Salvador. I couldn't ask for a better opportunity. He says, quote, I get to be a global missionary to my co-workers while asking, would you like fries with that? So like Paul, this Peter found himself in a setting he would have never chosen as his long-term plan or career. But his mindset of living as a sent person. His mindset of living as someone who's been called shaped the way he looked at his circumstances and at the people around him. Today, we pick up in the scripture with Paul back in Antioch of Syria, and due to a... a, a, a disagreement between he and Barnabas, he picks up a new traveling buddy in preparation for his return to the churches that they had established on their first trip in their journey. And this man's name is Silas. Everybody say Silas. So Paul and Silas set out on foot uh, north from Syria of Antioch through Tarsus. And then on to a couple of places that they had established already, Derby and Lystra. I know you can't see all of the little writing on this thing, but it'll give you an idea. In the, uh, the middle right corner, uh, on the right side of the page, you see um, Antioch. It's the third black town up. Does everybody see Antioch? Shake your head yes. On the far right corner, you see where... It goes across, you cross the border into uh, Asia Minor, which is modern day Turkey, and into Tarsus at the southeastern corner there, then up to Derbe, Iconium, and then down into Lystra. Is everybody in Lystra with me? Amen. Okay, that was a long journey. So in Lystra, Paul meets a young man, a young disciple, a believer whose name is Timothy and the rest is history, right? We know that Timothy is who was chosen, basically, hand-chosen to replace Paul and to continue Paul's uh, mission after his death. So this passage of Scripture is of interest because it describes how God sometimes works in our lives. For some unknown reason, the Spirit kept Paul and Silas and Timothy from going into Asia. And what they mean uh, uh, by Asia is they did not want Paul and Silas and Timothy to go north into the Bithynian and the Pontus and the Thracian uh, provinces. Do you see where the Thrace and the Bithynian Pontus area meet? At the very top of the map? That is where Istanbul is. Anybody remember what they were called in antiquity? At the time of Paul, it would have been called Byzantium. It would later be changed by King Constantine to Constantinople, the most important religious city in the world, second only behind Jerusalem, remember Constantine moved the capital of Christendom from Jerusalem to Constantinople in his reign uh, years later. so. The Holy, they wanted to go to Byzantium because it was the epicenter of activity in all of Asia Minor. And the Holy Spirit forbade them from doing that or from going to Mysia or Bithynia or Pontus either. Now, just how the Holy Spirit communicated this information is not revealed. That's not the point. And the reason likely that they were forbidden from going there is because... Uh, they probably would have killed Paul before he had a chance to do anything else. Um, because of the, the number of people, the population, and their uh, belief system there, Paul probably would have never made it out of their lives. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit said, uh-uh, I'm not done with you yet, Paul. You go this way, not the way you think you want to go. Anybody ever heard the Holy Spirit say that to you? Can I get a witness? <laughs> I wonder if there are times in our lives that we've been prevented from going where we wanted to go and from doing the things that we wanted to do only to find that new and amazing opportunities actually open for us as a result. Many of you know my story. I had never planned to be standing before you today, amen? (laughs) I had plans to go to law school. I had even been accepted and was ready to go and the Lord said, no. He said, you're going to go, but you're going somewhere else. I ended up in Denver, Colorado in seminary, and and the rest is history for me as well, and I stand before you today, and I'm so thankful for that, amen? But how many of us thought we were going one place only to find out, "Uh uh-uh, oh no, you're going this way. I heard a quote the other day in in an older movie, I had to pause and write it down and laugh because it came from a character in a movie you would have never expected to set it, but that's beside the point. The quote was this. He said, you want to make God laugh? Announce your plans. You want to make God laugh? Announce your plans. Had Paul been allowed there, we might not have, uh, 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 he might have been kept from what became his most fruitful mission work in the cities around the Aegean Sea. We may have never heard letters as we know them today in the Bible. Those letters to the Philippians, the Thessalonians, the Corinthians, and the Ephesians had Paul not listened to the Holy Spirit. I want to take a jump today. We're going to work, uh, jump to Paul's work in Philippi. When it talks about him going to Macedonia, he went to Philippi. Everybody see in the top left corner in Macedonia, uh, Philippi at the, up there. Everybody in Philippi with me? Have we journeyed there across the sea? This is where um, the second half of our scripture takes place today. Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke stayed in Philippi for some days. It says, ministering and teaching in the town and returning to the place of prayer at the river. Soon they met a slave girl who seems to have been the first century equivalent of a psychic or a fortune tailor. People would pay her to tell their fortunes or prepare them uh, for the future. And that money was a big source of revenue for her owners. And as she met Paul and his companion, she began to shout. And at one point, Paul became annoyed. And he, finally, he had had enough. And he turned around and said... Uh, come out of this woman. You demons. But, But it's interesting to point out this. What she was yelling constantly was, these people are servants of the Most High God. They are proclaiming a way of salvation to you. At first, the... The, the, the apostles took it as a positive affirmation, uh, but as she continued, you, you know that they realized then it was an unclean spirit, and they probably became annoyed because it was an unclean spirit, and he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave her. But this is a complexing story. Why did an unclean spirit, which was referenced to be, um, in other places in scripture, uh, little devils or uh, uh, demons, Uh, why would they prompt the slave girl to cry out affirming words about the apostles? Because we would have thought that Satan would have been trying to stop them, right? So why would they yell out affirming words? In the accounts of people with unclean spirits in the Gospels, when they come in contact with Jesus, what happens? They cannot help but to announce who Jesus is. Even the demons know who Jesus is. Even the unclean spirits proclaim Jesus for who He is, the Son of God, and they tremble in fear. Even the demons know who He was. Here is the slave girl, or the spirit within her, at first seems unable to resist declaring the truth about the the apostles, and whom they serve, and then for a time, through her shouting becomes a distraction, and Paul invokes the name of Jesus. This made the owners mad. This made her owners very mad because all they saw was the profit they were losing. Amen. So they seized Paul and and have uh, had them beaten. And had them thrown into jail. So the pictures today I'm sharing with you come from Philippi. And this is a picture of the jail cell they believe that housed Paul and Silas in Philippi. And so this would have been where he sat. Saying and thinking... the question, what would you be thinking as you sat in a prison cell at night after having been flogged, beaten for your beliefs, for proclaiming the name of Jesus, what would you be thinking? What would you be doing? I don't know about you, but I'd be pitching a fit. I would probably be disappointed with God, right? We might even become angry. We might cry out in in disbelief, even in that moment. But Paul and Silas had given themselves to Christ, to proclaiming Christ, but listen to what Luke says Paul and Silas were doing in Acts chapter 16, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. How could they be singing hymns at a time like this? This is not the time for singing, folks. This is the time for sulking, amen? Anybody ever been in a prison cell? (laughs) You don't have to come forward and clean right now, but if you have stories you want to tell later, please feel free to do so. I've never been in a prison cell uh, for it not being a good cause. (laughs) But I can only imagine that it's not the time for singing hymns. I would be complaining, and many of us probably the same. Why me, Lord? Why me? let me ask you a question. How many times do we find ourselves in prison cells that don't have bars? How many times do we find ourselves in prison cells of our own making? Same scenario, folks. How many times do we find ourselves sulking, crying out in anger, and disbelief? And Paul and Silas, how dare they? They were singing it off-key even, I reckon. Paul and Silas knew that their beating was not God's doing. That they also knew that God doesn't typically stop people from doing evil things. And that our faith does not keep us from suffering. Are you with me? If you hear nothing else, hear this next line today. But our faith changes how we face our suffering. Nowhere in Scripture does it say you will be kept from suffering because you're a follower of Christ but it sure does say how we are called to face it as a result of being a follower of Christ. That night, Paul and Silas sang hymns of praise to God. In the darkness, physically, and literally, and spiritually, they knew that God alone could sustain them. They knew that even though they were shackled and barred, they were still free because of God. Folks, it's our acts of faith in the midst of the darkest times that leave the greatest mark on others. It is the way that we act when we are at our lowest that people often notice the most. And it is in those moments that we can have the greatest impact that we never thought possible. Luke tells us the story of Paul and Silas's imprisonment to remind us how we are called to face suffering. Twelve years later, Paul would write a letter to that little church at Philippi. He would write it from a Roman prison cell as he was awaiting news of whether he would be sentenced to death. And yet, despite his circumstances, Philippians is called his epistle of joy. We, he is joyful in the jail cell. He is joyful as he writes back to the city of the people who put him in a jail cell. In those letter, in that letter to Philippians, we hear some of the most precious and re-spoken words of all of Scripture where he says in 4, 4-7, through seven, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wow, he wrote that from a prison cell to the people who put him in prison. The first time around, more than a dozen years after being beaten and imprisoned in this cell, Paul was still praising God From a prison cell, as he wrote to the church at Philippi. Along with with Bible reading, along with singing hymns, was, uh, was, was an important part of spiritual life for the early church. And that's probably why they were singing. When they were happy, they sang hymns to God. When they were sad, they sang hymns to God. When they were afraid, they sang hymns to God. Music to them as it is for us today is an important part of who we are as Christians, it's an important part of, who, of how we worship, it's an important part of how we feel the Holy Spirit, and it's an important part of how we face suffering. In a similar way, Paul and Silas turned to God as they sang in the darkness of their prison cell at Philippi, proving that the most important witness to our faith is what we do in our greatest moments of adversity. What do we do whenever we are shackled and bound? Paul didn't wallow. Paul saved the jailer. Paul didn't try to escape. Paul preserved the life of the man who put him there. Paul didn't try to leave in the middle of the night. Paul faced head on the suffering he knew was coming for the sake of Jesus because those people mattered to him. Do you not, do we not understand how much we matter to God that God would come down as Jesus Christ? walk in our chains and our suffering would experience the jail and the whip would experience the cross and would do all of that so we don't have to feel like we're bounded by the sins that put him on that tree we matter that much to god and you know what the people outside those doors matter to god as well so whenever we think we are bound by the chains of this world we are reminded of what Paul did. Now, we may not bust out in song in the middle of something, but maybe even in our minds we can be recalling the Scripture that says even in the midst of adversity, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding can be with me, and I can share that with somebody who needs to hear how much they matter to God today. Folks, this is the gospel message today. Paul didn't wallow. Paul saved the jailer. What are we going to do in our moments of adversity today? Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. So uh, just a quick uh, word about the picture today. This, the, the title slide. This is the view from the jail cell. Can you see uh, the best you can see that? When you when you're, turn around from the jail cell, this is the view of Philippi from that cell. Let's see if you can see it a little bit better with the words uh, like that, maybe not. Let me see if I can find, I got another picture of all of Philippi in there. There's the cell and here is the ruins of Philippi. I got proof we were there because that's Kate walking right there. (laughs) We're about to walk down the Roman road that leads right through the center of Philippi and along that road, if you go a little bit further up, you see where the crowd of people are? If you look left from where the crowd of people is, up on that hill in the top left corner, that's the jail cell. If you walk a little bit further, there's another crowd of people on the right. That's the center of town. That's where Paul was brought and humiliated and flogged in the middle of town and then drug up to the jail cell. That's the original Roman road with the chariot ruts that runs through the city that Paul would have walked multiple times. Go if you can get a chance. And see for yourself the adversity that Paul suffered, it'll shed a new light on it. God is so good that God would bring us through the things that we think keep us down in order for God's purposes to be fulfilled. How are we going to respond? We respond today with our hymn of invitation and going forward.